All right, guys, I'm so excited to have uh, the very smart, pretty much Mensa genius, uh, Ben, on the show. He came highly recommended from my friend Chelsea, and she's a genius, so Ben must be a mega genius um, by association. Um, and this is his official bio. Ben is a member of the digital and innovation team at Protective Life, where he focuses on applying entrepreneurship principles to internal proof of concepts. Wow, very, very fancy words. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds good. <laughs> uh, with a specific focus towards artificial intelligence, guys. Our podcast is getting smarter. Uh, in addition to being honored as one as EDPA's 2018 iEmerging Young Leaders, or oh, Emerging, uh, this year Ben was selected as one of 90 people representing 32 different countries to participate in MIT's Technology and Innovation Bootcamp in Tokyo which included the experience of being the first person in Alabama to visit the Fukushima nuclear power plant. So he has some magical radiation powers, people, okay, since the tsunami. Uh, ben currently holds a bachelor's in computer science from LaGrange College and also earned his master's in information technology, master's in business administration, and master's in project management. Holy shit. Hello, Ben. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, definitely looking uh, forward to having this conversation. Yeah, for sure. Are you single? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. Ladies, uh, this is an educated man from MIT. Okay. Uh, I have a feeling you won't be single for long after this podcast is released. All right. So, okay. Let's, let's, let's get down to the serious stuff. Okay. What is your favorite uh, artificial intelligence joke? Okay, uh, so so my favorite artificial intelligence joke actually would be, uh, it's a meme. Um, have you ever seen the awkward monkey puppet meme, the one where it's kind of looking one direction and looks back the other direction? Wait, 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 wait. let me, awkward yeah. monkey puppet. We're very professional people. Okay, let me, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, okay. So okay. There's one that has a quote of uh, from Albert Einstein that says, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different right. results right. underneath that. Um, because that's basically what machine learning does is <laughs> doing the exact same thing over and over again and expecting. So, um, I mean, like our AI is not exactly something where there's a lot of people joking. It's a bunch of IT nerds and data science nerds. So there's not a lot of good jokes, but that one always makes me. That was, yeah, that was hilarious. Like you're funny. Okay. Okay. So this is, this is important. Okay. You know, last comic standing. Yes. So, you know, data fan. Yeah. Okay. He told me I was funny. So whoever I think is funny, that means last comic standing. Thinks. And that's a, that's a pretty good endorsement right there. Right. Right. So last comic standing thinks you're funny. All right. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into AI? Yeah. So my history is actually kind of a little weird. So um, I actually went to college to be a history major. That's horrible. Glad you made that switch. Yeah, I was like, oh, you know, go to college, be a history major, be a history professor, because that's really the only way you can go from there. Um, about when I got to college, that was a time where Napster was kind of a thing, Napster and Kazaa and all the other ones. Um, and so I think we're past the statute of limitations at this point, but uh, everyone in the dorm was sharing their music. And so I'd actually set up a private network inside the dorm and set up a server to basically where all everyone inside a freshman boys dorm was sharing all their music. Uh, together and ended up taking down the entire freshman boys dorm network. Oh my um, and so this history major sitting there and set up a private network and set up all this other stuff. And I had the IT department head come down to my dorm and he's like, what are you doing? 
I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Looking at like, porn? I mean, playing World of Warcraft? <laughs> legal. He was like, no, seriously, stop what you're doing. Um, <laughs> um, and at that point, he actually took me under his wing and I started to actually, I, I got embedded with the IT department there and started to learn computers and realized that I had a passion for it. Uh, it's something I really, really enjoyed. Um, and I, you know, wasn't going to get arrested for helping them out. So it was a, it was a good career move. Um, but it wasn't until the current company I'm with, Protective Life, that I made the jump over to AI. Um, kind of with a computer science background, I had always been somewhere touching it, you know, machine learning to some extent. AI has been around since the 50s, so you always learn a little bit about it. Um, but then as this company has started to make that transition over to how do we become more AI enabled, how do we get to a position where we can truly take advantage of it, um, I had the opportunity to really step into a role and learn quite a bit about it, as well as start to progress it here in the company itself. So I started off history major and then kind of worked my way over to it over time. That's amazing. Like people can't even recreate that if they even tried. So good job. Um, so I find that AI is very difficult for people to understand if they don't have a technical background. So how would you explain it to like a five-year-old and a 50-year-old at the same time? Ooh, uh, that's where it gets kind of difficult. Um, you kind of look at a five-year-old today and a mm -hmm. five-year-old has literally grown up with AI their entire life. Oh, right. Oh yeah. Never mind. Okay. Let's do separate then. Oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. It's fine. It's an interesting question though. An interesting perspective because, you know, five-year-olds are AI natives in a lot of ways. I mean, they've been around since Siri was a thing for everyone. That's uh, true. So they've had this idea of, you know, natural language processing, communication with, you know, a AI assistant to some extent. That's always how they've interacted. It reminds me of when you look at a kid with a tablet, they know how to unlock a tablet. They understand everything that's going on in a tablet. Like it's second nature to them. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's something that just, it exists, is what it is. That's their life. Um, versus a 50 year old who, when you really look back, you know, that person, computers weren't a thing in their households until they were probably in their twenties and thirties, really. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a completely different perspective. And a lot of that older generation, you think about, so if a 50 year old puts them 1960, 1970-ish, um, at that age, you know, when they were going to the movies, when they're in their 20s and 30s, Terminator was a thing in the 80s. So their perspective of artificial intelligence and this idea of, you know, uh, a general intelligence or super intelligence is the idea of Skynet and the idea that there's this like godlike, uh, all powerful artificial intelligence. And so they have a completely different perspective of it. They don't see it the same innocent way that a five-year-old sees it. Um, and so explaining it to, you know, a, a five-year-old, it's very easy to be able to say, hey, this is, you know, you kind of show them a toy and you go the route with a toy and show, all right, this toy can learn. And as it's learning, that's really what artificial intelligence mm. is. And it's, it, it just, they comprehend it. It's something that they just completely comprehend. It makes a lot of sense to them. Um, I teach programming to kids on the side here through a program. And when you see some of these kids learn how to program, it's just second nature to them. Everything just, it's exactly how you would expect it to be for somebody who's really fluent in computer science. Um, but a 50 year old, you know, you really have to get in and explain that things aren't Terminator. Things aren't, you know, that's how things are. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to see Siri suddenly want to, you know, blow up the entire world. That's not how it's <laughs> So you almost kind of have to reset expectations with a 50 year old and you have to basically show them it's like, all right, we're looking at a machine that learns. What this really means is not that, you know, Skynet's going to take over, but that, Amazon is going to show you what related items you might actually like 
to buy because this is what other people have purchased. And based on your shopping habits, you're probably going to want to buy this. That's really, you've got to get related to somehow in their life, they can see that translation. And usually things like shopping or travel, um, those are pretty common and something that they can usually relate to pretty well. That's awesome. Thank you for the awesome explanation. Oh my God. Guys, isn't he so smart? Holy shit. All these rest of the questions are going to sound dumb. Okay. Um, what industries will AI impact in your opinion? I, it, it's everything. Um, everything. Yeah, I think if you're sitting there thinking that your industry is not going to be impacted, you're going to be without a job here shortly. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, that's just really kind of the way it is. I mean, everything from construction. I, I know a guy over here who's doing a startup in the construction space, and they're looking at using artificial intelligence for inventory monitoring and things like that. Um, so even like typical manual jobs that we really see are heading the route of something in AI. Um, everything, everyone needs to be more efficient and AI is very good at repetitive tasks. It's not very good at being creative, but repetitive tasks to augment humans, to allow them to do something more productive and add more value is really the direction we're seeing ahead. And it's going to impact everyone. Um, I've talked to some people like in legal and some other areas like that. And they're like, oh, it'll never replace us. And you know, that's the exact thing that is going to cause you to be replaced when you say things like that. Um, that's not the way this works. So um, I think what we'll end up seeing is every industry, every profession will have some impact from artificial intelligence within the next 10 years at least. Wow. Awesome. You guys heard it here first from Ben. Okay. So um, let's switch gears a little bit. Who do you find funny besides yourself and me, if that's even humanly possible? Well, I mean, obviously you already have an endorsement, you know, so I, I don't know. That's a pretty high bar with your endorsement. No, I mean, who's your third favorite comedian? Third favorite. Um, you know, I, I'm always a big fan of the stand-ups. Uh, so stand-up comedians are something I've always been a big fan of. Um, so I think that's the route. So like the Dave Chappelle's, the Robin Williams, uh, even if you want to go a little bit old school and like the George Carlin's, that era, um, that's, those guys are really, really funny. I think, you know, being context or uh, situationally funny is also something that's a lot of fun. So there's a lot of people that are very, very good and very, very quick and that can come up with some really good jokes in a situation, but standing on a stage and just delivering jokes to an audience is a special skill. So if I had to put one of those on top, Robin Williams would be my ultimate comedian though, like all time by far. That's awesome. Wow. You have a good sense of humor. You're smart and you're good looking. There must be something wrong with you. I'll find it out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so, okay. How can someone get into AI with like no experience? Say like they have no computer programming background. They got nothing. Like how would somebody get into that field? And that's actually the beauty of AI and the world we live in today. Um, it's really all the training is available online and most of it's free. Uh, so if you look at something like edX or YouTube, uh, you just go out there and search for, you know, artificial intelligence. Uh, I would probably start with Python. Um, Python's a really good language, a little bit easier to read, a little bit easier to write. Um, but that there's a plenty of resources that don't cost the person anything to learn. There's resources to allow them to actually develop without having to actually pay any money. Um, now, as you advance, of course, things cost money, but starting off, you can do everything for free just using edX and YouTube and some free resources out there. A lot of people give their books away for free. Um, and that's actually, so you'll see things like Google and Facebook and a lot of these other big companies that have huge groups dedicated to artificial intelligence. They actually give away their research too. So if you really want to go out and read a bunch of research articles, which I wouldn't recommend, you could actually go out there and read everything they're producing and learn everything that they're doing. So there's, 
the only thing that's going to stop you from getting into artificial intelligence is your lack of desire to get into it. Like everything is available out there for free to jump in. Boom. You guys heard it here first. I love that answer. So, okay. So you went to Japan, you went to Fukushima. Did you get superpowers from the radiation? I, mean, I wish. Uh, wish. I did have a small like spider bite, but you know, nothing ever came of it. Um, a little disappointed by that. Uh, <laughs> But it's all right. You might be. Hey, what? How? When did you go? Uh, so that was March. So. Oh shit! What if something? Ha- this is December right now. So <laughs> what if something? Something might happen to you next year. I, maybe, I, maybe. Well, so next year I'm actually uh, I'm heading over to Europe and I'm actually going to stop by Chernobyl now. Holy so I'm shit! To- You're going to hit up all the. <laughs> I, I, had, I wasn't aware that nuclear tourism was a thing, but then after going to Fukushima and then now they have Chernobyl tours, it's like, all right, I need to do this. Wow. That as well, right? Is there a third place with nuclear disaster? Uh, Three Mile Island up in uh, the Northeast. Might as well do your own tour at this point. I know, why not? Yeah. I have experience in both of those, so I should be able to get it done. Do you think AI will do, like, predictive stuff for the next nuclear disaster? It would make a lot of sense. Um, A lot of what we see with all of that, a lot of the issues we see with, like, Fukushima or Chernobyl, human error caused it. Um, so human reaction to an event. So in that case, I, AI would be a really great addition to that to where AI could step in and ensure that humans are making the right decisions mm-hmm. um, and then make sure that we don't have another disaster like that. Yeah. I know that you, know, you start to look at, there's a new nuclear plant being built in Georgia right now and they're embedding a lot of new technology as part of that. And AI is gonna be part of that as well, you know, providing the operators the ability to understand exactly what's happening as well as predictive analysis. So as we start to look forward, yeah, I think AI is going to play a huge role in the safety of nuclear facilities. Wow. Stupid humans, as always. Okay. So <laughs> why? why? Uh-huh. I mean, so I have, a, I have a sign on my desk that says, uh, if we remove end users, my program will work perfectly. I love that. Screw, screw the end users. Who needs them? All <laughs> that answer. Okay. So uh accepted into MIT like you? Why do you think so? Do you think they were misogynistic or racist or both? There's no way you should not have been accepted. I, I feel like they actually lost your application in the mail. That's I didn't apply though, but why didn't they accept me? If you didn't apply, then that's probably a better reason why. Man. Yeah. I'm going to spread rumors about MIT, but I need to work on it a little bit better. Okay. How did you get accepted? Like what was, what, what did you, how, who did you sleep with to get in? <laughs> I, you know, I just went off uh, my good looks and humor, so I didn't actually oh. sleep with anyone. Oh, this I, I know, I know, it worked out in my favor. Um, <laughs> but okay. you know, the, the whole process, like, I honestly never thought I would get accepted into anything dealing with MIT. I never thought I would ever have any association with the university. Um, that's always been one of those universities that I looked at that was such high, you know, prestige. It was at the very, very top of technology from my perspective, and obviously the rankings always show that. So to get a chance to do anything with the university and get a chance to learn from people who, you know, they literally have lived and breathed, you know, AI and technology their entire lives and been on the forefront of all of it since, you know, the 60s and 70s is an amazing opportunity. And it's one that I will always, you know, be very, very grateful for um, and one that never feels completely real because it's not something I ever thought that would ever happen to me. Mm, That's awesome. Oh, you actually have good answers. It's hard to troll you. Okay, so what is it like collaborating at MIT? What is that process like? 
Uh, yeah, so when I actually going through the bootcamp experience, um, there's a whole, you actually apply with a resume and a written answer, and then you go through a couple of video interviews. Uh, and it's some of the questions they ask are not exactly easy. They're tough questions. And I definitely, it was rigorous. Um, and I remember going through it thinking there's no way that I answered this the way I wanted to answer this. And there's no way they're going to actually accept me right now. Uh, and especially when I got over to the program and some of the people there were doing some amazing work. Uh, there's one, uh, one of the girls I went with, uh, she's working on artificial intelligence within, you know, the neurospace. Uh, one of the guys from India is working on this amazing startup in the fitness industry. He actually just got accepted into Y Combinator. Um, and there's some other people over there doing some just amazing things. Um, Anna actually just, she won a, a pitch competition at the Web Summit over in Europe earlier, I think it was about a month ago. Um, and it's uh, one of the guys on my team and that was part of the program, Mutenbe. Um, uh, he actually uh, is working on an AI startup to do data labeling in Kenya to try and enable people in the Kenya area to actually earn a living. And it's some amazing people that I am definitely not on the same level of, but it's been really cool opportunity, really cool to get to experience and talk with them and learn from them. Wow, awesome. That sounds great. And meanwhile, I'm freaking doing open mics at stupid dive bars. All right, thanks a lot. Okay, so <laughs> how can I have an AI brain in so I like the brain itself is interesting because I don't think we'll ever you, I think humans will be augmented within the next 20 years. I oh think whether, what that means, I'm not hundred percent sure, but um, I think what we're seeing the trend in technology will end up seeing humans get augmented in their jobs, whether that's, you know, automating tasks, whether that's augmenting, you know, some of the work that they do, uh, making things easier. And I think we'll start to see that transition over to the personal life to where you won't have an AI brain, so to speak, but you'll have, you know, some, something, whether it's your phone, whether it's, you know, maybe glasses, maybe Google glasses makes a comeback when Apple and, uh, comes out with it or your watch or whatnot, where basically Siri or the Google assistant becomes more embedded in your life and starts to tell you more and more and more about to do and automating things for you to where when you walk home, you know, it's no longer about having to tap something where it unlocks, you know, your door and everything like that. Everything's already done for you. Um, and I think that's the direction we're going to start to see is where your life gets more and more automated from an AI assistant of some sort. Wow. That's very interesting. I'm thinking about like what I want to have an AI spleen or an AI appendix <laughs> just so it's totally useless. Just laying there. Well, Anyways. I'm, okay. I'm gonna go, <laughs> you know, if you're looking at something to optimize your, you know, organs like liver would be fantastic. Because then, you know, you could drink as much as you want. And you don't have to worry about it. Are you an alcoholic, sir? I am not an alcoholic, man. No. Uh, but I mean, like, who doesn't like a nice glass of wine or a drink here and there? So I actually don't drink. I mean, is that scarier, more terrifying? Because this is actually how I am sober. But <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll find something. No, 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 no. That's perfectly fine. Uh, that would actually, uh, I definitely understand uh, the not drinking thing. Um, I don't actually, I drink probably once or twice a week at the most. So, yeah, I get that. See, so... Okay, tell us what jobs are coming up in AI. What are the job titles? What do you what do you guys need in that field? So I think, you know, typically when we think about artificial intelligence, it's really the the data scientist that everyone thinks about, and that's not where we're going to see a lot of the jobs come through. Um, we'll see a lot more on the realm of data engineers. I think that's where we're going to see the big boom. So with Google and Facebook and 
um, Apple and everyone else giving away their uh, actual models themselves, um, the AI machine learning models. I think what we're going to see is that companies are going to take advantage of that more and we'll have data scientists, don't get me wrong, but I think we're going to see a huge jump in the number of data engineers that exist. Um, it's just one of those things where a model is only good as the in, you know, data going in, kind of the garbage in, garbage out idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And with that, you know, data engineering is going to become a bigger and bigger deal. Uh, models themselves, you can easily skew a model if your data is skewed to begin with. And I think that's one of the things like, so being a life insurance company, we have data from 112 years worth of, you know, policyholders, but that data can be skewed pretty bad uh, when we look historically over that long period of time. So we have to figure out a way to, you know, best provide a model training data that will provide relevant information for us kind of moving forward because people change over 112 years. So data engineers are going to become a bigger and bigger deal within the industry as we move forward. That's interesting. Because I feel like I'm still going to be a bitch in 120 years, but we'll, we'll see. Okay. So, okay. Can you, you, you briefly talked about insurance. I think this is very interesting. Can you tell us like what you do in your job? <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, my boss might want to know that too. Um, <laughs> Make sure I, he doesn't listen to us. Okay, sorry. I'm not going to let him know about this. We're okay. okay. Um, no, I, I joke with him about that all the time. But basically what we do is part of, so we're innovation team. So we're a little bit separate from the rest of the company. We're kind of like a skunk works kind of deal where we take a problem from the business and we truly run the solutioning of that problem like a startup. And what I do is basically if we have an issue, let's say the most recent one that we've been working on is something related to uh, language within contracts that we deal with. So we took that problem. We realized that artificial intelligence was a good applicable use of you know, solving that issue. And so we went down a path of defining a solution and actually running that solutioning like a startup. So we go through what you typically go through in a startup phase of you know, determining what's the total impact of the market um, could this be used elsewhere? Is this the right beachhead market for this, you know, solutioning? Um, is, you know, is this something that we could sell further on down the road? What are the financials around it? You know, kind of going through basically designing the actual solution, almost like a very, very small company inside of a big company. Um, so my area is basically anytime we get up to a solution that really could utilize artificial intelligence, that's when I come into play and start uh, handling that project and handling with the vendors and handling with internal resources to coordinate all those activities. Um, and that's just, it's kind of been fun to kind of work on a little bit more of a skunk works cutting edge stuff uh, than typically what you see in IT, uh, which is why I really, really enjoy what we're doing. Wow. I have no idea what you said, but it sounds so smart. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. What conferences in AI do I do you go to so I can avoid these conferences? <laughs> um, so I think there are a couple of big ones that I think are worth attending. So there's uh, MIT's EM Tech Digital Conference, which is uh, I think the next one's gonna be in March. Uh, that's over in San Francisco. That's a really really good one. They have a avail they actually provide AI experts for you to kind of interact with and talk with and. It's a really, really good resource-based uh, conference. Um, Gartner has some really, really good ones. They have a data analytics summit, I think, in Texas. Uh, and then there are two that are kind of close to home. So there's a Southern Data Science Conference in Atlanta every year. Uh, that one's, you know, it's about an hour and a half, two hours away from where I am right now. So that one's definitely one that's on our list. And then uh, being in the insurance industry, 
there's an insurance AI innovation tech conference every year that has a lot of a lot more use cases designed just for insurance. So that one's a little bit more focused just on our industry. Okay, so I got. Is it all women or all old people? <laughs> uh, you know, I wish there were more women there. Uh, Why? Well, I think one thing when you have diversity of thought, you have better ideas. So what we see historically within, you know, IT in general and data science is getting a little bit better. Um, and just, it's been a male dominated field. And, you know, you look and a lot of people who are in the field are, you know, 55 plus, uh, you're seeing a younger group come in and that younger group's a little bit more diversified, whether that's, you know, uh, people of color or, you know, you know, male, female genders or whatnot. Um, but it's still something that we actively have to work on. And I think, you know, my company's done a pretty good push about trying to find people who are more diverse in thought and come from different socioeconomic backgrounds and different backgrounds in general. Um, but it's definitely something that the industry needs to work on. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Hopefully we'll get more people involved. I know when I've been teaching the kids how to code that it's actually been more girls in those classes than guys. Um, which has kind of been fun. Uh, so I'm hopeful for the next generation that we'll see a lot more, you know, females within the workforce that are in IT that are doing things like artificial intelligence. Because, mm. okay, <laughs> I feel like uh, women should just marry well and just not do shit. But, uh, I appreciate your perspective, but okay. Since there's just so many young people, how can I find the ugliest guy who's also the richest at these conferences? Uh, to exploit and marry. I, I think that's a, that's a pretty good uh, retirement strategy. Um, you should definitely, definitely look into that. I, I, I thought this. <laughs> if you're going to look into, uh, you know, finding the, the person who's probably going to be the richest, it's probably going to be the biggest nerd there. So, so what is, is it, does, does nerd mean like not social or more knowledgeable? How can you spot the, how can you smell the weakness and go <laughs> for the kid? In the back of the room, for sure. The one who's the back in the room. Playing, okay. you know, Dungeons and Dragons or like Eve Online or something like that. That's going to be the one that you're going to want to pick. Okay. Um, that's that's what, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Yeah, that, that's the people who, uh, it's the, the socially awkward people are the ones who have dedicated their lives to technology. And those are the ones you know, maybe on later on the road, they end up more like Bill Gates, but they start off like Bill Gates in the 80s. Um, so I think Fuck, that's- I don't remember this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bill Gates took like what, like several decades to reach? Well, anyways, well, okay. He did, but also, did you, have you seen uh, pictures of uh, Jeff Bezos? So- Like when he was younger? Yeah, look at pictures of when he was younger to where he is now. Like- Did he have hair? Uh, he, he had more hair, yeah, but- uh, I think uh, I, most of the quotes I've heard from uh, some of the, my female friends have been that he looks significantly better now than he did back then. So it's because uh, of Lauren Sanchez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Have an affair, guys. That's how you get younger looking. Um, all right. Uh, this is way off from artificial intelligence. But um, you feel like the environment's kind of like, because the Bitcoin guest told me like Bitcoin is kind of male dominated and they're a little bit on the female hating side do you find the ai conferences are like that or not really uh i i don't really find it female hating i think it is definitely male oh, yeah maybe i'm yeah let me exaggerate a little yeah you know. um, yeah i think it's definitely male dominated i also think that there's been a very conscious effort from the community to actually work on finding people who are more you know diverse thought and female 
Um, so one of the issues that came out, so if you look back, and there's a little bit of a controversy, I think about three or four years ago, about uh, facial ID being really, really bad at identifying people of color. Um, and actually, if you look... Are they blind? What? Are they blind? Is it blind? Or well, it, so blind? machine learning itself is all based on the training data it provides. So when you look and it's just a bunch of old white guys who are putting themselves on their own pictures through this training set, then the machine never truly learns how to identify people of color, whether it's uh, male or female, you know, as part of that. So it does a really, really bad job. And it's something they've actively made an effort of like, all right, how do we ensure that we don't have another issue where our models are biased in a particular way, because that can really screw things up and it can be really off track pretty, pretty quickly. So the community itself has done a really, really good job at trying to ensure they have different opinions in there and ensure, you know, they're not introducing bias because it is such a big issue and so prevalent historically. So it's getting better and it's something to actively work on. It's something that you'll see a lot more people placing a huge focus on versus I think Bitcoin is, they, they don't really care about it as much. I mean, it's definitely an issue, but AI is placing a huge emphasis on how do we fix this issue. Interesting. So I have a chance of being hired on a female minority quota. I would definitely, uh, or $50,000 speaking fee. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I have hope now. Okay. Okay. So if you rule the AI world, Ben, what would you do? Oh, um, you know, I think, I think it would be trying to find a way to change the perception. Uh, I think that's the one thing is we still, AI has a big perception issue. Uh, People still, like I mentioned the Terminator earlier, people still, that's the image they have in their head is that, you know, this is going to end up, you know, taking over the world, taking all their jobs, and that's not the reality. Um, I think that's the biggest issue that exists in the world today with AI. So how do we change the perception? How do we ensure that people get that it's going to be more, so back in the 80s, everyone thought that, you know, the ATM was going to place every bank teller. What we saw is that the bank teller's job transitioned to something more higher value to the bank mm -hmm. and that the ATM exists in, you know, in conjunction with the bank teller. And that's really what we're going to see AI doing. And it's, so if I ruled the AI world, it'd be how do we make that message more prevalent and more accepted across the world that it's not going to be taking your job, that it's going to be making you, you know, more efficient at your job and your job may change slightly, but you're still going to have a job. Um, you're still needed. There's still a lot of things that you have to do. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing because I think once you have people who are more accepting, you'll start to see a bigger prevalence of this and we'll start to get bigger impacts. I love that. Wow. You're actually a noble person, man. You're becoming more and more unrelatable as the interview goes on. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're, okay. So what are some cool developments happening in the field? Uh, Right now, my favorite one is something called a GAN. Um, so a GAN is a generative adversarial network. And it's this really cool thing. But basically what you end up doing is you create a, so within AI, there's these things called neural networks that is part of a deep learning subset that uh, are basically a collection of nodes and neurons that replicate the way that a brain is functioning in some ways within a machine itself. And a GAN actually is a clever way of kind of creating this training data. Um, and so what you end up doing is creating training data for your model to learn. You create this cycle to where with our, one of our projects, we had a minimal set of data available to actually train a model. So we created a neural network to actually create more training data to train that model. 
Um, and I think that's what you end up seeing in GANs are also how you see things like uh, the deep fakes that have come out. That's how, that's what a GAN uh, can be utilized to do. Obviously not the best use case in some ways, but that whole idea of creating a machine to actually train another machine is just fascinating in some ways. And I think that's, that's the top of my list right now. That's something that I've been paying a lot of attention to, see, kind of seeing where it goes. And it's, it's definitely a lot of fun to watch and see. That's awesome. Wow. You're so smart. You hit all the next three questions I was going to ask you pretty much. Okay. Uh, any advice you didn't talk about in the beginning? You want? Um, I think, uh, you know, we look at AI in general. Um, it's a drastic change from the way we typically think about uh, software development and just IT. So AI is such a heavy focus. So a data science and IT group puts together its AI model, puts together, puts this out in the world for the world to utilize, but it's no longer on those two teams to truly own AI, which is what I think is a lot of fun about it. So you kind of make this transition over from historically where an IT team will develop something and then they'll make updates to it and they'll improve it. With an AI model, what you see is that the business truly owns it and the users truly own that model and improve it to make it better for them. I think that's one of my favorite things about AI is that it's, it's truly on the business and the end users to own it and make it sure that it actually gets benefit for them. And that's, it's such a different mindset. And I think people struggle with that a little bit. And that's really, really cool for me. That's awesome. So, wow, I learned so much in this. So how can we stalk you? What's your website? How can we work with you? Uh, so, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, all those, uh, can you spell your impossible yeah. to spell last name, please, for I, our stupid listeners. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, P O D B I E L S K I. And then my Instagram is a lot shorter. It's just uh, B I G B N. Um, and then I have Snapchat too, which is B I G underscore B N. So all those right. are a lot easier to remember than uh, my last name for sure. For sure. For sure. What is it from? Uh, so my last name is Polish. So uh, my grandparents' generation, uh, both sides of the family came over from Poland back in the early 1920s. So second, third generation here. Awesome. So you guys know he's hot for sure because Polish people are freaking amazing. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. Be, be on the lookout in your inbox, Ben, because it's bring, going to bring in the P, okay? Because uh, uh, I, I almost guarantee it. So thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. Hope to have you on future episodes to come. Again, super grateful. Chelsea's amazing. I owe her one when she comes visit me in California. And uh, thank you so much. Hope to have you in the future. Of course. Thank you.